records the events that occurred on that first Easter morning. And we're going to read this passage together. And we're going to have a little special uh, special production from our Sunday school singers here. And then we'll continue on with the, the message related to the good news of Easter here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to first pray. If you, if you guys get a chance here, if you, you have a Bible sitting there, you feel free to read along with me. It's Matthew chapter 28, and it's verses 9, uh, or page 989 in your house Bible. So if you should have one sitting under your chair or nearby, you can feel free to read along with me. But um, page 989, I'll go ahead and pray, and then we'll uh, just jump right into this. Well, Lord Jesus, we do thank you again for for this day that that um, we can remember your your victory over death, the the day that really proved um, everything else that you had promised. Lord, you overcame death to prove that you could do everything that you said, even rise from the grave. And Lord, we just remember you here this morning. I pray that you would help us just to honor you with our time and worship you. And I pray you'd help each one of us just to hear your voice this morning as the different verses are shared on the good news um, related to Easter. I, I just pray you would join us here. You'd be honored. Speak to our hearts. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So Matthew chapter 28 here. We'll just read this, uh, this whole passage together here. So verse 1. After the Sabbath had dawned on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see them, or there you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were, um, were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. And when the chief priests had met the elders uh, and met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while you were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this morning we were just celebrating the the first time this took place was almost 2,000 years ago. 
If you count from 33 AD, we're talking about 1,977 years ago, this first played out and was recorded. And we celebrated again this morning. And um, we're going to start this celebration with uh, some joyful singing from the Firehouse Gospel Choir here. So if you guys would, uh, allow them to take their places and uh, we'll... I'd say we'd give them a warm welcome, but we might scare them a little bit. So.
my kids have been telling me for uh, the last uh, oh, two or three weeks that they had a surprise for us. They wouldn't tell us what it was, but it was unveiled right there. So that's yeah, very fun. Um, before we get started uh, with uh, the message here, we're going to take a look at one more uh, song that's, uh, you know, it's actually a professionally done song. There's a, you might have heard it on the radio by a guy named uh, Matt Mayer. And uh, I heard this song. It's really been one that's, uh, I think, blessed my heart. It's been encouraging to me. I found it online as well on a YouTube thing that also has some Easter images thrown in that I found um, just were encouraging as it relates, as we celebrate the events related to Easter here from Good Friday. Friday to the resurrection on Sunday. And so we're just going to take a few minutes just to listen to this video and I encourage you just to soak it in and let things, uh, maybe God work on your heart a little bit. The, the chorus line, the, the song is called Alive Again. And it's really because of the events uh, of Easter here and the things that Jesus accomplished that each one of us has the ability to become alive again, to be born again. And so um, anyways, I hope um, this may touch your heart like it has mine. So we're just going to watch this, uh, this video here and then we'll continue.
All right. So um, I don't know. It's just a, it's just a, some pretty touching images there when we look at um, just some of the things that Jesus went through for you and for me, and and then even I love the one of the Jesus kind of coming out of the tomb. There is just kind of the kind of the. Uh, exclamation point on it all that he had the power the authority to do everything that he said he could it wasn't just empty promises you know and so we're going to take a look this morning at the good news of Easter Um, and really it's because of these events that played out over the last couple days that we remember um, Jesus' death his his crucifixion on Good Friday and being placed in the tomb and then rising again out of the tomb here on Easter Sunday and because of those events there, there are some Good news. I mean, good news is often, I think, you know, the understatement of the year. It's, it's the most awesome, incredible news that anyone could ever receive, you know. And, and we're going to take a look at that um, that good news here this morning. But um, sometimes we have to look at the context of that a little bit. You know, it's kind of like the idea if uh, I told you, you know, I've got this, this cure for you. I've got this shot that if you take this shot, you're going to be cured from this deadly disease, you know. And, and you might at first by you on your way out and said that, you might be thinking, uh, well, uh, actually, I didn't know I had a deadly disease, you know, and um, and the cure might not seem like that great news at all, and as a matter of fact, you might not want it, um, but once you understand maybe a little more of the context of the situation, uh, I think the news becomes good and great and awesome news, and so we're going to just take a look at that here this morning, and again, this good news has to do with how you can know for sure. This last verse here on the bottom of the page, I'll just read it for you, but it says, Um, This is one of Jesus' disciples, John, and he wrote this. He said, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And and there's some things that played out related to Easter that happened so that you may know that you have eternal life, that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. And so um, to start things off, I've got got two questions for you. I'd like to ask each of you on this um, fine Easter morning here. These questions are kind of deep, kind of spiritual, but we'll probably have an Easter lunch afterwards so you can handle them for now. Um, But let's look at uh, these first two questions. The first question is this. How sure are you that if you died tonight that you would go to heaven? How sure are you on a percentage scale from like zero to a hundred percent that if you died tonight, how sure are you that you'd go to heaven? And each of you can, you know, answer that to yourself. Um, In your heart, you know the answer to that. Maybe it's, uh, maybe some of you are going 50-50, I stand a good chance. Maybe some of you are going... I'm thinking zero here. This is not looking good. Uh, someone else, you might be in the high 90s, you know, getting a good strong A on if this was a class. Um, but that, that answer, you know the, your percentage you're thinking there, and God knows what you're thinking as well. You know, I'd have you write it down, but, you know, you might write a higher number down. I don't know. But um, the next question we have is, again, uh, if this were to happen, we're, we're hoping this is not going to happen to you on Easter Sunday here, that you would die and come before God. But if God, uh, what would you say? If God asks you, why should I let you into my heaven? You come before Him tonight uh, and, and He asks you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Maybe something like these. I've never killed anyone. I'm a pretty good person. I've tried my best. I go to church. Other. Um, you know... Uh, what would you tell God? You know, I don't know what your other might be. You hopefully wouldn't just say other. Um, <laughs> path or something like that. Um, 
But each one of you has an answer to that question. If God said, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? And again, I want you to think about that answer because really that answer is what we're going to talk about here this morning as we look at the good news. And um, nobody's going to know your percentage and your answer but you and God. Um, but, I'm, but I hope that over the course of this little presentation here you'll see maybe the answer that God is looking for, the, the solution that He gave to this situation, to this question here. So we're going to um, go through this first part just to kind of set the context. I'm going to breeze through it. We're not going to look in great detail. So I'm going to hit the button a number of times. You'll see a lot of verses. I'll, uh, maybe I'll quote a few of them and mention a few. But we're just going to kind of set the context, set the stage here real quick. In order to understand the good news of Easter, in some ways we're going to have to catch the bad news. And uh, the bad news is, is not about Easter. The bad news is about sin and the sins that you and I have done. And so we're just going to try to catch that before we get on with the good news here. That's, that's really what we're here to celebrate. Um, so let's see here. And basically, um, we're talking about being able to know for sure that you'd spend eternity in heaven. And, and spending eternity in heaven means spending eternity with God. And what are some things that come to mind when you think about God? What are some character qualities? Do you think God's loving or mean or patient or strict? What, what things do you think of? The Bible tells us a few things. We're going to look at a few of them specifically here this morning. But one thing is the Bible says that God is love. That uh, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love and He created us to have loving relationship with Him. Um, the Bible also says that God is holy. And this is, uh, this might be a churchy word or a, uh, maybe a religious word, holy, but really it boils down at its essence is that God is absolutely perfect. Um, and He's perfect in a number of different ways. He's absolutely pure. This verse here that says about God that his eyes are too pure to look upon evil, he cannot tolerate wrong. God hates anything having to do with evil. He cannot stand it in his presence. That's how absolutely pure he is. And God is righteous. Again, this is another, and we're kind of covering some of these churchy, religious words, but really righteous at its essence just means that God is right. God determines what is right and wrong. And uh, maybe a quick question for you there is, uh, can you think of a standard that comes to mind that shows us God's righteousness? Any of you remember a standard from back in the Old Testament perhaps? Ten Commandments? Excellent. I was thinking about getting some candy that I could throw out here over the next. If you know Ten of the Commandments, we'll throw you a piece of candy at each one here. But uh, all we had left was donuts. And they're not as, not as hospitable to throw donuts. Um, though we have done that before. I think uh, Alan caught one once, I'm pretty sure. But anyways, uh, so the Ten Commandments is a standard of God's righteousness. What God says is right and wrong. You know, I can have a lot of opinions about that. But God has a standard. He said, here's what I think is right and wrong. And it has things like don't murder, don't steal, don't covet. You know, covet's really wanting something that someone else has. Maybe wanting their car, their, their spouse, their something. But God says, don't covet. That's, that's sin. That's not right. Don't lie. Don't swear. No adultery. Honor parents. Parents, can I get an amen to that? Amen, yeah. And we've got to honor our parents too, right? Um, and there's another one, we'll put a few of them together here, but in love God supremely, but those represent three of them that are, have no idols. 
no other gods and keep a Sabbath day holy take a day uh, to honor God on a Sabbath you know and so those are his standard um, another way that he's absolutely perfect is, is that he's just God is just he's fair he's not partial God doesn't play favorites when he goes to judge according to his standard he doesn't say oh you got a little more money I'm going to go a little easier on you or, or maybe you're a little bit more poor and so you know, I'm going to waver my standard for you God doesn't play favorites he, he treats us all the same and he must punish all unrighteousness. That's a part of justice, is that he must punish unrighteousness where, where things have gone wrong. So we've taken a look at God here real briefly, and, and now we're going to take a look at man and see whether, um, whether he's the same or different. What do you guys think? Do you think uh, man is the same or different compared to God? Anyone different? All right. I think I think that'd be fair fair to say that if you're married at all, ask your spouse if you think your spouse is more more like God or more different than God. You know, I think um, I, speaking for myself, I, I fall a little bit short of His perfect and righteous, loving standard here. You know, um, but the Bible does say that. You know, another thing if you notice through the pictures here, we're different than God. Man is a lot younger than than God here. You know, I think that's a, another thing that becomes kind of clear. Um, he is from eternity there. But the Bible says that mankind in general is independent and rebellious. That we all like sheep have gone astray and each of us has turned to our own way. But the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And just we each have a tendency to want to do it our own way. Sure, that's a great standard, but we could probably think of a better standard. Uh, some other way to do things that God might not have caught on to yet. And we tend to be a little independent and rebellious. And um, if I ask you the question, uh, who does man love to Supremely in general, what would you say? Himself, you know, and the Bible agrees with that as well. Man tends to love himself more than he loves God, you know, and um, there's that. And unfortunately, that's also uh, the attitude of Satan. Some of you might have heard of, about Satan in the Bible here. He was once an angel called Lucifer, and he was a uh, one of the, the most beautiful in God's creation. But Satan at one point uh, wanted, he didn't want God to be above him. He wanted to be greater than God. He wanted to do things his own way. And because of that rebellious thought, God kicked him out of heaven. And unfortunately, you and I can often find ourselves having that same attitude. I don't want someone telling me what's right and wrong. I don't want someone telling me what to do. I want to be my own boss. And, and that is the same attitude that Satan had. And um, unfortunately, that leads us to the next thing the Bible says about man, is that we tend to be, that attitude leads us towards unrighteous choices and decisions and, and sinful choices. And this one, this verse here says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I don't know, um, do you agree with that verse or not? Everyone think in general, a lot of times most people think, yeah, do you think you've all sinned? Anyone says no? Tap the person next to you and see if they agree with you on that. So we all have sinned and fallen short of God's perfect, His glorious standard here. And, you know, we've fallen short in different ways, the Bible mentions. One, we fall short just in our actions. God says, here's how I want you to be. And, and we just take wrong actions, make wrong choices. We fall short in our thoughts. This one's kind of a really challenging one here. Um, 
You know, back in Jesus' day, he was talking to the people that thought, you know, hey, I've never committed adultery. I've never murdered anybody. Um, They were thinking they were pretty good. And Jesus said, hey, you know, by the way, God not only made your body, and so you haven't murdered anyone with your body and you haven't committed adultery, but God also made your mind and your heart. And His holy standard, it's not only just for your body, it's for your heart and your mind as well. God does not have any unholy thoughts, unrighteous thoughts. Sometimes we can think, well, because nobody notices, we get away with that. But Jesus said, you know, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And there will be judgment for that. He also said, look, uh, you've heard it said, do not murder or you'll be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry at his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. You know, most of us haven't murdered anybody. Anyone murdered anybody? Not that we know of, you know. But, uh, but Jesus said, hey, look, if in your heart you've had that same anger that would lead to murder, you will be judged for that. That thought that you've harbored or had uh, maybe multiple times, you'll be judged for that just like you, your body had lived it out. You'll be judged for what you think about. Um, also, we fall short of God's standard by our words. You know, we, we swear. God says, uh, you know, don't, don't, what does it say in the Ten Commandments? Um, uh, do not use His name in vain. Don't use God's name uselessly or the name of Jesus Christ uselessly. Well, we've taken it a whole nother level. We don't use it uselessly. We use it to profane things. To, to really just slur things. We would use the name of God to do that nowadays, right? Um, and so we dishonor our parents with our speech or we can lie. We use our speech to, to bring about lies and deception. And, and those are all things that are falling short of God's standard here. And we're just going to, before we get on with the good news, we're going to kind of just uh, wallow in the bad news here for a second. Um, and, and we're going to try to make it a little bit personal. How have you fallen short of God's standard here. Let's take a look again. Um, maybe some of these lists are things that, that you've done. You know, each one of us is sin. We can kind of say that, but when we get a little more specific, sometimes we can get a little more vague in our own lives. Um, have you ever misused God's name, the name of God or Jesus Christ, and you've used it in vain, uselessly, or even worse, as profanity? Have you ever been angry in your heart, or have you ever in your heart called someone an idiot or a fool? Jesus says you will be judged for that. Um, what about adultery, you know? Most people have probably thought I've never committed adultery, but Jesus said, hey, look, the standard for your body is, is the same for your heart and your mind. Have you been lustful after someone you're not married to because they're not yours? He said, we'll be judged for that. What about lying? You know, lying, big lies, little lies. Sometimes just leaving out a little bit of the truth is, uh, it says, do not bear false witness. We can leave out truth and we can leave our uh, witness being a little bit false. Or we can say things that aren't even true, whether it's in a big way or little ways. And God is so absolutely pure, He'll have none of that. You know, imagine if in the world, everyone in the world just told one little tiny white lie. We'd only have like, you know, seven billion white lies all at once. We'd make a huge mess. It'd be a catastrophe. Heaven will not have even one little white lie in it, you know. Um, but this, this kind of makes, you know, this hopefully brings it a little closer to home here. But, uh, you know, what do you think this does to your relationship with God? God loves you and He wants to have a relationship with you. Um, but yet He's holy. He's absolutely pure. What do you think this sin does to your relationship with God? Ah, there we go. There's a verse in um, 
Isaiah here that, that talks about our sins separate us from God. It says, Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. It creates a separation. The New Testament gets even a little more in detail about what our sin does. Um, this verse in, in Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. When we sin, we earn death. We bring about death for our sin. Um, and really, death has a lot to do with separation on different levels here. Um, one of the things the New Testament says is that because of sin, we experience a physical death. You know, God created um, Adam and Eve and the human race to be able to live forever. But because of sin, death has entered this world. And we will all die physically because of sin. Like this verse says, man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Uh, the Bible talks about a spiritual death. When we sin, uh, you know, physical death is kind of when you separate from your body. A spiritual death is when you get separated from God. That connection with God is severed. And sin severs our relationship, our connection with God. And then the Bible also talks about another form of death. This is kind of the, the worst one of them all. might know it also as hell, but the New Testament talks about it. And Jesus talked about it many times warning people to not go there but he said he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and the majesty of his power and really this is kind of the essence of the bad news here we are really going to turn the corner soon into the good news um, but this is the bad news there's kind of an equation here we'll give you a, a spiritual equation on Easter morning here but the idea is that when you physically die, and we all will, if you are spiritually dead, the Bible teaches that you will become eternally dead. That's what hell is known as, eternal death. There's the equation right there. When you physically die, if you are spiritually dead, you'll be forever separated from God. That connection will be severed for eternity, and that's really um, the essence of hell, is the separation from God and anything good that you've experienced in life whether it's relationships or anything you enjoy in life it's come from God and hell will have nothing to do with that nothing good it's not going to be as some might think some some big party where everyone's wearing you know Metallica t-shirts and smoking pot hell will not be like that because that's relationship and there will be no relationship there will be no love there because God was the source of all that and hell will be a place where they'll be separated from anything having to do with God and His goodness and it will be terrible and that's the bad news we have this morning that's the bad news of Easter the obvious question is how, how do we bridge this? is there any way to bridge this gap? you know and man has been trying to bridge this gap uh, in many different ways and one of the ways that people try to bridge this gap is religion you know, um, people will think, well, you know, I know I've done some bad things, but, but I go to church. You know, I, I go to church especially on Christmas and Easter and I read the Bible a little. Or, or maybe you're like these guys. Jesus was talking to some who were really religious, the Pharisees. And he told them, um, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only one, he who does the will of my Father is in, who is in heaven. He went on to say, Many will say to me on that day, on Judgment Day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons? Did we not perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Jesus is talking to the most religious people of his time and he's telling them, hey look, you've memorized a ton of scriptures, you go to religious ceremonies all the time, but really you're still evildoers, that boils down to the word the lawbreakers, you still break the law and I don't know you, I will have nothing to do with you as a lawbreaker. 
and, and religion is not going to bridge the gap here. Some people think of philosophy. If, you know, we sit around a, and uh, come up with a philosophy, sit around a table and philosophize about, you know, well, maybe I don't believe in sin. I'm a pretty good person. Or, you know, what's the big deal? God shouldn't have such a problem with my sin. Well, philosophy is not going to get it done. You know, the Bible teaches the wages of sin is death. Not come up with your own philosophy. You know, in the end, God's going to be using His philosophy when it comes to judgment. And you want to be ready for that. Another way people try to bridge this gap is just good works. You know, okay, I've sinned. I've made some mistakes. But but I've helped a few people on the way. I try to do good. And uh, this verse here says it's by grace that you have been saved. Through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works. So that no one can boast. There's going to be no one who gets to heaven because they worked their way there and they said, you know, I, I don't know about you, but i got enough good in me that, that I deserve to be here. And God, in His absolutely holy and pure standard, says, well, the wages for sin is death. It's, it's not uh, 70 years of good work. It's an eternal death sentence is due if you sin against the eternal God. And that's not going to cut it. You know, there's a, a verse that talks about our, our good works are going to be like filthy rags. Because of our sin, it says all of us have become like one is un, who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. You know, we think that our good works are going to get us right with God. But God says, no, nah, it doesn't work. Even your best works, they're tainted with sin. And... Um, Kind of the analogy, uh, some of you have heard the cookie analogy before, but it's the idea that um, uh, imagine, uh, let's imagine you came into church here this morning and uh, maybe you're new with us or something, but I walk up to you and I say, hey, how are you doing? And I, boom, I kick you in the shin. Um, how are you going to feel about that? Not very good, probably. Some of you might try to kick me back and knock me down. I don't know. But um, but then I say, hey, well, let's get on with the service, right? And you're probably thinking, wait a minute here. we got issues we got to deal with, you know. And um, But I, but I'm thinking, okay, i got to make it up to these guys. I want to do something real nice. I'm going to make you your favorite set of cookies here. You know, I don't know what type of cookies you like. I know Jeff likes oatmeal raisin, I think. There's a few chocolate chip cookie fans around here. But so I'm going to make you your favorite type of cookies to make things right, you know. And so you're with me there. We'll, we'll go back there into the kitchen area and I'll whip you up some cookies. And, um, you know, I'm putting them all together. And there's only one catch, though. You happen to notice that I've got a, I don't happen to have this, but a, a deadly skin disease called leprosy. And I'm back there cooking. And, you know, as, I, as I'm stirring things up, the skin's falling off into the batter. Maybe a fingernail, maybe a chunk of ear. You know, leprosy is this where your skin just kind of decays off your body as you're still alive. Um, and But I'm done. I whip these cookies up and I hand them to you. I go, you know, I want to get right with you. This is a good thing to do. Do you think you'd eat those cookies? Would you receive those cookies and eat them from me? You might see a little fingernail hanging down there or something like that. No, my guess is probably you would not. You might say, well, that's nice of you, but I just can't take it. You know, and even more so, it's like that with God. God says, you try to do these good works, but they're tainted with sin. And I can't remember, I can't have anything to do with sin. I'm so pure, he says. And uh, our good works are not going to cut it. They're not going to get us to heaven, unfortunately. We can also try the best we can. Just, you know, I always do the best I can. Um, and I don't know if anybody really always does the best they can. I mean, even there's a little stat here that if you... Say you only sin one time a day. We're talking about your actions, your speech, and even your thoughts. Only one a day. That'd be doing pretty good. Um, but a little math here. If you live 70 years, one sin a day, you would commit 25,550 violations of God's law and character. Um, and you try to come before God, and I did the best I could. And God's going, 
Well, yeah, that's quite a mess you did there. Um, Doing the best we can will not get us to heaven either. All our attempts fall short to get us right with God. But that's where we get to the good news here. The good news is that God has personally provided a solution for this problem in the person of Jesus Christ. And and really that's what we just want to focus on here. The rest of our time is just about the good news. The bad news, I hope you understand it, is bad news. And each one of you has got bad news. And the bad news is not about Easter. It's about your sin and my sin. And it's really bad news. But the good news is that God has provided us a way to, to get right with Him. And so um, we're going to look at that there. You know, and really Jesus is the... Um, uh, God provided a solution in the person of Jesus Christ. And so he's really the solution for two reasons. And we're going to just look at these two reasons here. One is because of who he was. And the second is because of what he did. Let's keep an eye on our clock here. All right, we're going to have to get the moving here. Um, and who do you think Jesus Christ was? Maybe a good teacher. Maybe the Son of God. Maybe something like that. Well, we're going to focus on the Bible says that he's God in the flesh. That in Jesus, uh, all the fullness of the deity of God is dwelt in bodily form. He was God in the flesh. He claimed that he was God in the flesh. Uh, At different points, they were going to try to stone him because he claimed that. Um, He did miracles. He didn't just claim it, but he backed it with proof, with miracles they'd never seen. Opening the eyes of the blind and healing the paralyzed and even raising people from the dead. He led a sinless life, which you would expect God would do. He also fulfilled many prophecies that foretold God entering this world, God coming into this world, was predicted in great detail. What family line, where he would be born, uh, what sort of life he would live, and great details about his death and resurrection, and Jesus fulfilled them all. And the last one here, kind of the really the proof of the pudding was the, the resurrection. The resurrection, you know, some people could say, well, hey, I, I forgive your sins, or hey, if you follow me, you'll have eternal life. Well, that's nice, but, um, you know, in the end, you just kind of would have to wait and see. But you see, Jesus took the wait and see element out of it. He said, hey, I, he talked about forgiving sins and giving eternal life. And if he just died and was in the grave like everybody else, we'd all just be go, oh, let's wait and see. I hope it works out well. But Jesus rose from the dead. And he said, see, here's the proof. I am who I said I am. And I can give you forgiveness and eternal life. And, and really... Uh, it's the resurrection that was kind of uh, the exclamation point on everything else he did, dying on the cross for our sins. It proves that he had the authority to do that. And we're going to look at, um, so that's who he was. He was God in the flesh. But just, just because God had visited this planet, that doesn't mean, hey, God came to the planet so everyone could be saved, you know? It doesn't work like that. It, it happened to be what Jesus accomplished while he was here that really makes a difference. And... Um, the Bible said many times he came in the world for a specific purpose, and really that purpose was uh, a purpose was related to our sin problem. Here we've all had that independent, rebellious attitude. We've all sinned in different ways. We've all earned death sentence. We've severed our relationship with God, and if we were to die with that relationship severed, we would we would uh, have earned hell. But God knew that, and, and He wants to have a loving relationship with us. And so, Jesus came instead to die for us. It says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. So Jesus took that death sentence that, that you owed, and that I owed, 
Um, Bible also says that he, he died for sins once for all the righteous which he was righteous he lived by this standard for the unrighteous people like me and you and it says he took that death sentence upon him as a, as a substitute you know the unique thing about Jesus being God in the flesh is that he led a sinless life he didn't have any sins to pay for you know it's kind of be like the idea if um, say I had a parking ticket and hypothetically speaking I got a parking ticket for $25 um, close to the 16th street mall um, no, I, this month I had a couple tickets unfortunately I just parked the wrong place and I forgot just to put quarters in one, one of the places I was at and so I got a nice ticket out of the deal but imagine I've got a ticket and you've got a ticket and but you only got 25 bucks and I don't have 25 bucks and well you'd have to pay for your own ticket and you couldn't pay for mine I'm sure you would want to pay for mine but you couldn't because you'd have to pay for your own and, and see there'd be a problem there but Jesus was the, uniquely the perfect substitute because Jesus didn't have any parking tickets to pay for he didn't have any sins and more than that being God in the flesh he had like this unlimited bank account so that he could pay for my ticket and your ticket and your ticket and your ticket and he could be the perfect substitute for our sin not only take our punishment on but he could offer forgiveness to everyone and that's an amazing thing and that's why he is the only solution to this sin problem because everyone else no one else has lived a perfect life and much less are they God and able to pass on forgiveness to everyone And but Jesus was you know and uh, on the cross something amazing happened here um, God showed us his love and he also showed us his, his justice here he um God loves us and you know if God was just loving he'd say hey it's not a big deal so you've sinned so you've violated my holy perfect eternal character it's not a big deal I love you and that would be you know imagine if there was no justice system in the world today and, and the police were just like hey you know look I love you get on with life I don't care if you stole it I don't care if you you know beat them rape them I love you get on your way you know it would be a mess of a life but what if on the other side of the deal God was only just and he said look you sinned it's done you deserve to go to hell I'm not going to have anything to do with you that would be just it would be what we earned but it wouldn't be very loving but God is fully love and God is just and on the cross both of those were satisfied and one of the illustrations that you know I love about that is just that uh, it's called the judge illustration but it's kind of the idea that if you had a imagine you have this uh, cool hot rod sports car how many of you have cool hot rod sports cars yeah, so yeah a couple of you <laughs> Carol you probably got one right yeah some of these uh, you got some cool cars out there um, but imagine you've got this cool car and you're driving around the city and you're like I'm awesome I'm driving fast uh, I don't like the speed limit idea. It's a bad idea. Uh, I want to park wherever I want. You get these tickets. You have no regard for authority. You just kind of throw them in the back seat, and you're just driving around. And eventually, uh, they put out a warrant for your arrest, and they say, we're going to get you off the streets, Mr. or Mrs. And uh, they, uh, they take you into the courtroom, and you're like, oh, I'm busted. You know, they caught me. I've uh, got all these tickets. And so you're walking into the courtroom, and just this creepy feeling comes over you. thinking thinking feeling in your heart, and you're like, I'm, I'm just busted. You look up on the judge's bench there, and it just happens to be a family friend. Someone you've known from way back. They knew you were back when you were in diapers. And they love your family. They love you. And you're like, sweet. Someone who loves me is a judge here. I'm going to have, this is going to be a good day. 
Um, and so you come before them, they start saying, well, did you do this? And did you do that? And did you do that? And you're kind of like, yeah, I did that. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, forgot about that one. Yeah, I did that. And you go through this list and, and they go, well, you know, you know, I love you and your family and it's just so good to see you. Unfortunately, it's under these circumstances here. But, um, but the judge says, um, but you know, I got this job as a judge because I uphold the law and, and I've got a standard to hold you to here and I can't play favorites towards you and I've got to give you the maximum sentence and it's uh, either a $100,000 fine or 10 years in prison. And you're kind of thinking, okay, well, I don't got $100,000 in my pocket. I guess I'm going to have to do the time. And before the judge pronounces his sentence on you, he comes down off the judge's bench and he takes out his personal checkbook. Happen to have a personal checkbook. Some people still use those things nowadays. I think, but uh, uh, he takes his checkbook out and he he writes on this check, hundred thousand dollars. He puts your name on it. He slaps it on the table before you. He goes up to his judge's bench again. He says, "Okay, what will it be? We pay the fine or do the time? What would you do? Would you take that that check?" Well, I hope you say yes, I'd take the check. You know, sometimes people go, ah, I never take any free handouts, I'd do the time. Sounds noble up front, but the reality in this situation is that to do the time, to take your penalties on means time. You're talking about eternity. Each death sentence carries an eternal weight to it. And, and we've got probably a lot more than 25,550, you know. And, um, and so, but God has offered this forgiveness to each one of us as a free gift, kind of like a check on the table. And um, but the question is, does everybody receive this gift? Let's see here. God's offered a free gift of forgiveness to everybody. But does everybody take that gift? Yes, no, maybe. Well, now the Bible says no. You're right. Um, only those who believe will receive that free gift of eternal life that's offered through Jesus. And some of you might know this verse. This is one of the most popular verses in the Bible. It shows up in football games, Bronco games. It's probably going to show up in the March Madness basketball games coming up here. If you see someone hold up John 3.16, this is what they mean here. That God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. And so uh, God has offered forgiveness to you and I as a free gift. Um, but believe means a lot of things to different people. You hear sometimes you hear on the radio or something like, "All you got to do is believe." Okay, what's that mean? Uh, there's a lot of confusion on that. And so we're just going to close our time here by clarifying what believe means. We're doing um, a few things that, that believe really means that one, it has to do with a repentance. You have to have a change of mind. It's really repent. It means to have a change of mind. There's two things we've got to change our mind about here. You've got to change your mind about yourself. Um, here's the situation, folks. You've got to change your mind about yourself. You have sinned against the holy, righteous, and eternal God. You've earned a death sentence, or, or many of them, and you can't get to heaven on your own according to the Bible. And uh, the other thing you have to change your mind about is that Jesus did everything that was needed to take your payment to send you to heaven. He's done everything that's needed and you can do nothing to get you to heaven, but you have earned death. So we have to change our mind about a couple things. We also have to have some faith or trust. Believing has to do with a change of mind, a repenting, but also a, a faith or a trust. You know, this verse here says, Yet to all who believe in Him... 
To those who uh, to those who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There's a, a trusting of Jesus that has to occur. And a trusting is not just intellectual. There's a lot of people in history that are not Christians that say, you know, Jesus, one guy said, H.G. Uh, Wells said, Jesus is arguably the central figure of all history. And he was not a Christian. People can acknowledge the facts about Jesus, but that's not the type of believing or trust we're talking about here. Um, it's not a temporary thing. If you're like me, I went through college. I had some religious upbringing and then I would pray, you know, God help me get through this test. And I think he answered the few prayers very graciously and miraculously and I survived college and I would go out and party, you know, to celebrate. And um, But I had a very temporary sort of faith. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not the faith that gets you eternal life. It's... Um, it's got to be a trusting Christ alone. And it's got to be a transfer of trust. And we'll just wrap up here with uh, the idea. Some of you might have heard this analogy before, but it's uh, this, this type of trust that we have to have with Christ. The saving faith is a, It's kind of like the idea of a chair here. This is a chair. No tricks, nothing underneath. No props or anything here. Um, but i got a question for you. Do you believe that chair would hold you up? Okay, the answer is yes. Most of you probably do. I mean, I'm assuming you do. It's not a trick chair. It's not going to collapse on you. But the other question is, is this chair currently holding you up? No, and good answer again. You guys are on the money here. Um, and why not? Why is that chair not holding you up? Because you're not sitting. You're sitting in another chair. And... And the reality, that's, that's a lot of how it's like with Jesus. A lot of people say, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for the sins of the world. Um, but I'm sitting in my chair here, which is, I'm a good person. So you go back to your original answer. How sure are you you're going to heaven and why? And whatever your answer was to that, you're a good person. You're not like Hitler. Whatever it is, um, that's the chair you're sitting in, trusting. And um, God says that that answer should be trusting Jesus Christ alone, that He died on the cross, He lived a sinless life. And really the type of faith we're talking about here is a, a trusting of Christ alone, where you get up out of your chair, whatever you're trusting in, and you sit and trust Jesus Christ alone, and, and you rest your eternal life on what Jesus has done for you. That's what believing is. That's the saving type of faith we're talking about here. The last part of it is just a, there's a confessing of that faith to God. There's telling God that you, you want to change your mind about yourself, that you can't get to heaven and you deserve hell, that you believe Jesus is the only solution, that you place your trust in Him and, and just a, a personal inviting Him into your life as your Savior from your sins. And... And that's a deliberate choice. It doesn't happen accidentally. You know, there's a verse that says, um, uh, Revelation 3.20 says, Jesus speaks and He says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Jesus is saying, I'm standing at the door and knocking. He hasn't come into your life accidentally. You have to deliberately open the door to Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you don't open it, He's not going to break it down. He could break it down. But He offers it as a deliberate choice you must make if you want to look to Him as your Savior. And this morning here, you know, the the good news of Easter really has to do with placing your trust in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Trusting that Jesus died on the cross to forgive all the sins you've ever done, all the sins you'll ever do. All of them were, you know, in the future from when He took the cross. He's not just paid for your sins up to today. He's paid for sins for all of history. 
uh, all your history. And so, um, and it's offered to you as a free gift if you're willing to believe in Him and place your trust in Him and receive Him as your Lord and Savior. And and that really, the essence that's the essence of the good news is that God loves you so much He sent Jesus to die on the cross for you and for me. And it's kind of like that uh, story of the, the check that's on the table. There's a free gift that's placed before you and you've got two options. You can receive that free gift, which in this case is forgiveness and eternal life through receiving Jesus. Or you can take the punishment on yourself, which will be eternity separated from God and hell. And that's not what God wants. And that's not my... I hope that none of you would ever willingly choose that. God loves you and He wants to have a relationship with you so much so that He sent His Son to take your penalty if you would believe that. And this morning here, I just hope that you would hear the good news. There is good news here. The bad news, that's about us. The good news is about what Jesus did. Um, But you have to respond to that good news by placing your trust in Jesus alone and receiving the free gift of eternal life here. And So we're going to close here. I hope that makes sense to you. We don't have time to go through it too much more here. But um, really all of this this good news about Easter comes down to one question. I would like each one of you to consider this. And the question is, would you like to personally open your life to Jesus Christ and receive the free gift of eternal life? That's the question that's before you. If that is something that you'd like to do, we've, we've got, um, we're going to just take some time to, to pray together here. If that's something you want to do this morning, my prayer has been that someone, someone here in this room today would make a choice to place their trust in Jesus Christ and receive Him into their life as Lord and Savior. And I hope that someone is you. You know what God's saying to your heart. You know if you can sense Him knocking on the door of your heart. The real question is, are you going to open the door to Jesus Christ? We're going to look at just a sample prayer here. Um, I'm going to ask that you guys would um, maybe just bow your heads here for a moment. Um, Let's get to the last slide here. There we go. Just ask you, might everyone bow your heads here? Um, If you've done this before, maybe just let Easter, this Easter, be a reminder to you of these truths, of what Jesus has done for you, and uh, the confidence you can have. It says you can know you have eternal life. Maybe this is the first time you've heard this good news, and and I'd like to talk to you for a moment. If this is the first time you're really hearing this good news of what Jesus has done for you, I might ask that uh, everyone else keep your heads bowed, but you might just look up and look at this prayer that we're going to talk about here. Just a way of expressing that saving faith that that you might have. If If you want to repent and change your mind about yourself and Jesus, and you want to place your trust in Jesus Christ alone, I just ask that you might... Just quietly look up and, and look to the screen here and see um, see something we would pray together here. If this is something you want to do, we, we might just look at this prayer. It just contains what we've talked about here. I'll just read through it real quick. But it, it's just praying, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave. And we're talking about it goes on to say, I now invite you to come into my heart and life as my Lord and Savior. And a simple prayer like that, God will respond to. And Jesus will come into your life as your Savior to save you from your sins and give you eternal life. And 
I just want to ask if, if you want to do that this morning, if that's a choice you want to make this morning, it would be the best choice you've ever made. But if you want to do that, we can just kind of pray together. You can kind of pray this prayer. I'm going to say the words here as well. But if you say them in your heart to God, He will hear you and He will answer you if this is something you want to do. And I see several of you that you know are looking at the screen here, and I hope that this is a decision that you really want to make. And let's, let's just pray this here, and then you can... Repeat the words in your heart to God here. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and need your forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave. I now invite you to come into my heart and life as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. And to close our time, we're back to the the beginning here, but... um, we started off with this verse about John that these things were written so that you could know you have eternal life. And I just want to back up a verse or two here that says, um, this is the testimony God has given us, eternal life. This life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. I write these things to you, believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. If you pray that prayer this morning sincerely and inviting Jesus into your life, God promises you have eternal life. Your sins have been paid for on the cross. And that is good news. It's the good news of Easter. It's the greatest news that's imaginable. And um, if you've done that this morning, I encourage you to tell someone, someone who came with you, someone who invited you, someone who loves you and wants you to have that relationship with God. You might let them know that you prayed to invite Christ into your life. I'm going to go ahead and close with a prayer here and we will get on with our Easter celebration and festivities here. Guys, let's just bow our heads together and pray. Lord Jesus, we just remember you this morning. We just celebrate what you, what you did. We thank you for Easter, the first Easter Sunday where you rose from the grave to prove you had the authority to do everything you promised. And you promised to give eternal life to anyone who believes in you. And your word promises that anyone who believes in you has forgiveness for all their sins. And we just thank you for that. I pray that today would just be a day of great celebration. Lord, I pray that um, we would just just remember these things you've done and that we could know those who've prayed to receive you even here this morning, that they can know according to your word and your promise that they have eternal life. And God, we just thank you for this morning and thank you for this time to to worship you and remember you. And again, we just pray you bless this day. And we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 Well, I just want to thank you guys for joining us this morning here. Uh, if you haven't got a chance to take your, your pictures, your family portraits yet, feel free to, to line up back there. And uh, I think we're going to be giving those back to you next next week. We'll have a package for you that has them all printed out and everything. So I hope you'll join us next week as well. But thanks again and have a great Easter. Thanks.